Hello and welcome to episode 53 of uh, the Never Watches Does the MCU. Um, yeah, we're back after this for a while, for after a long while. Uh, my name is Pete, I'm one of your co-hosts and I'm joined as always by the Never Watcher himself, Kurt Lewin. Hi. How goes it? How are you? Yeah, I'm doing doing well, thanks. Mm. Uh, exciting to get back into Marvel. Yeah, just generally excited to get back into podcasting, I guess. It's been a while, hasn't it? Cause, yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. We, we recorded the special episode uh, before I went on holiday, and that didn't come out until after I got back, so <laughs> that was great. Anyway, that was a lot of fun to record and a lot of fun to listen back mm. to, so uh, if you haven't listened to it already, go and give it a listen. But anyway, if all your heroes for Marvel, then that's fine too. We're gonna We're going to cover today... Secret Invasion, the most recent TV series that came out on Disney Plus. So I'll run through the cast list and then we can give some general impressions. Right, so reprising the role is Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury. Um, we've also got uh, Ben Mendelsohn reprising his role as Talos. Um, joining the cast, we have Amelia Clark as Gaia, Don Cheadle as Colonel Rhodes, uh, Ben Kingsley Adair as Gravik, Olivia Coleman as Sonia Fowlsworth. Char uh, Charlene Woodward, Woodard, sorry, as Priscilla, and Michael Epp as President Steiner. Uh, so this was written by Kyle Bradstreet and Brian Tucker, and directed by Ali Selim. So uh, I'm dying to know because this has been a long time in coming. What did you think of this? I actually didn't think this was too bad. And I know that's going to maybe come as a shock to you and some of the listeners, given what I've um, been reading in in discords. Um, mm. But yeah, I honestly didn't think it was that bad. Um, and I actually thought, like, I don't think it's one that's going to like stick long in the memory. But yeah. um, in the moment, there was certain parts of it I thought were quite interesting, posed some interesting questions um, mm -hmm. in the plot um, and I thought some of it like chimed quite well with current real world issues yeah uh, so yeah I, I didn't think it was too bad to be honest okay that's um, very surprising actually I was a little bit surprised that you quite liked it <laughs> um, yeah you, considering the was... discourse that's been said online by a lot of people Hmm. It, I mean, well, is it, it, the thing is, is it, it just go on, Karen? So, is the Discord that just people don't like it? Uh, the discourse is, is that there's a lot of problems with it. Um, right. The only one that I'm aware of is that apparently it's like hardly anything to do with the comic that it's based on. Admittedly, yes, that is correct because um, one of the bits of trivia that I grabbed for this is the original Secret Invasion comic was an event that was effect that affected the whole world. Uh, the writers uh, scaled, uh, scaled down the scope and made it a spy thriller. So, mm. yeah, this encompassed like nearly every part of the 616 comic universe. So you had major, major players like the, uh, the Fantastic Four, Captain Marvel, and as such, all involved in this. So it was going to always be quite difficult to adapt it into a, small, a smaller scale, let's say, because this whole arc itself in the in the comic could have could have filled a whole three phases by its own right right so, okay uh also um 
I just I'm just going to get into this because this is a piece of trivia as well. Um, that the show's title sequence was created with artificial intelligence. Uh, this caused a wave of negative feedback, with the major complaints being that Marvel were too stingy to employ actual artists for the title. Um, the producers explained that their intention was to create an unnatural, unsettling environment that no natural artistry could have managed. Now, I understand the reasoning behind that um, that comment. However, it comes off a little bit um, uh, a little bit of a terrible response, considering everything that's going on with the SAG-AFTRA and the the writer strike and all that and a lot of their problems is to do with the use of AI. So, yeah. yeah. You'd, you'd have thought, though, that all that, the title sequence would have been sorted out bef- way before the writer's oh, strike. Though. Yeah, it would have done. And I think uh, from, from the reports that have been had about this entire show is that this has been... Um, this has been rewritten quite a few times and it's been... Um, uh, they've had several reshoots on it since 2022. Mm. So... And also the budget for this show is two hundred and twelve million dollars as well. Right. So sorry, I don't know. Um is that a lot or not a lot? Uh, that's a lot. So right. to in comparison, um India the most recent Indiana Jones, the Dial of Destiny, cost about three hundred million to to make. So that on a right. TV show is quite a lot of money. Hmm. Sorry. Um, I'm not really sure where that went then, because um, yeah, let's get yeah. into that later. <laughs> so um, yeah, do you want to? Shall we? Uh, shall we just get into this? Because I think we could. We we're going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to just make one just clarification. Of course. Um, I am not in generally not in favour of the use of AI for like art. So yeah, I. Um, um, yeah, it's a bit just because I, and like the right, just it was only because I said a second ago about the the title sequence being sorted out before yeah. any of the writers' strike stuff. Of, but um, of course, but yeah, um, I'm not. I didn't know that about the title sequence, and yeah, that's not not great. Yeah, it it came out after the first episode. Someone noticed that, and then it it was hard not to notice every single time I watched it. Even though, mm. admittedly, yeah, there was a skip skip intro section. I probably pressed that four out of five, out of six times. Right. So yeah, let's get into it. So yeah. there's six episodes, like usual, for these Marvel TV shows. Uh, and um... yeah, can I bring up my first criticism of this show then? Mm. The inconsistent run times of each episode. Yeah. So yeah. very very strange. So. I think the first episode is nearly an hour. It's about 50-something minutes, isn't it? And mm. then every subsequent episode gets shorter and shorter to the point where the final episode, which is your penult- like, which is the one that closes the whole thing out, is literally about 30 minutes. Yeah. It was a very odd choice. Yeah, didn't didn't WandaVision do that as well? Uh, WandaVision started out the other way, actually. It was like half-hour episodes because they were supposed to mirror the, yeah. the sitcom aspect of what they were going for in those early episodes. Hmm. Like, I don't think any other show has done it quite as drastically as this, let's say. Hmm. So, yeah, the, the driving force of this first episode is that 
uh, Talos pursues Everett K. Ross for killing a CIA agent Prescott and who theorises that the shape-shifting Skrull rebels uh, frustrated that Talos and Nick Fury have not found them a new home planet intend to cite a war between Russia and the United States to take over Earth. Mm-hmm. Right. So Maria Hill arrives to assist Ross but discovers that he is a Skrull yeah. She calls Fiori, who has been working in space for years following the blip. Returning to Earth, Fiori learns that Talos has been exiled from the Skrull Council and replaced by former ally Gravik, the Rebel's leader. Mm. Now, I'm uh, sorry, just to uh, just to talk about one particular thing, because you've mentioned Gravik. I think this is a good performance by Benzie Kingsley, Adair. I just think the script lets him down at times. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. I thought he was one of the better villains that we've seen in this TV show. Uh, in, in the TV shows. Yeah, until probably the last two episodes, I think he's quite menacing. He's quite nuanced, uh, but then I think it falls apart in the last in episodes five and six. There is a moment in the final episode where I thought he was really good. Uh, um, is is that when he suddenly goes all Welsh and starts shouting, "Come on, then!" <laughs> yeah, like, when he basically like starts really ripping into um, yeah into um, Fury. Oh yeah, but we'll talk about that much later because I have issues with that yeah. scene particularly. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'll just read through the rest of this synopsis. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't realise you were reading uh, through the synopsis. I thought we were going through the first episode itself. <laughs> oh no! So yeah, this is a synopsis of just the first okay, episode. Right. Um, so Fiori is then kidnapped by MI6 agents working for his old acquaintance Sonia Falsworth, mm-hmm. who refuses to work with Fiori to stop Gravage. Uh, using a bug to eavesdrop on her, Fiori and Talos locate the scrolls who procure dirty bombs for the rebels, mm. including Talos's daughter, G- Gaia. Gaia. After Talos reveals that her mother, Soren, was killed by the rebels, Gaia reveals the rebels have planned to attack... Yeah. Oh, I can't even pronounce this. That The square in Russia. Yeah, I know which one um, you mean. I, I couldn't pronounce it either. Yeah. On Unity Day. So, Fury, Hill and Talos fail to intercept the bombs before Gravik detonates them. In the ensuing chaos, Gravik disguises himself as Fury and kills Hill. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was the first episode. Um, Yeah, I thought it laid... I actually thought this was probably one of the weaker episodes in in the whole show. Um, Okay. Uh, I did like the ending with them in Russia, in the Russian square. It wasn't... It wasn't the worst part of the episode, let's I'll say that from my side. Yeah. I did actually wonder, like, when would they have would do you think this was actually filmed there? Uh in Russia. No, I believe I believe the vast majority of this uh of this series was actually filmed either on a sound stage in uh Elstree Studios or and it and some on location in Yorkshire. Right. Okay. Yeah, because I thought, how would they have filmed this in Russia? Because I was thinking in my head. Yeah. When was the UK the 
Ukraine war start again? Uh, was it 2022? <laughs> was it? Yeah. So I thought surely it. Yeah, and didn't line up. No, and that's the thing that I felt they could have done with this. I know obviously it was probably filmed a long time ago. But they're talking about this age-old thing of America and Russia like attacking each other using the scroll plot. But they could have had a real-world war that's going on at the time and made it culturally relevant at the same time. It's like, oh, yeah, mm. Russia and Ukraine are trying to... You know, and then you've got all these NATO-allied countries all getting involved. It would be the perfect way to have a spy thriller go- like going is that all these, all these NATO agents, all, all these people that are working for NATO could could be scrolls and vice versa it could be in, it could have been interesting but i think they went with the, the typical um cold war style which was yeah it's been played out far too many times at this point yeah the the reason i say i think that this is one of the weaker episodes is because the only really real thing i remember about it is the beginning Mm. and the end yeah that's true actually like a lot of stuff in the middle of it that just happens it's like clearly mm. setting up it's supposed to be setting up the plot of the entire episode but I have niggly problems with this like a lot of really really terrible problems so I have an issue with everyone constantly reminding Nick Fury he's black which I think is really freaking strange it's like, oh, can you walk around in Moscow this late at night looking like that? It's like, maybe not, but I don't know why everyone needs to remind him because he's probably been reminded his entire life about that. And mm. also everyone telling him he's old and long past it and finished. And it's like, this man deserves a lot more respect because of everything he's done in leading to this point, such as the Avengers initiative. He was involved in the original uh, scroll plot from Captain Marvel. You know, yeah, because them saying, like, you're past it, it's not like he's ever been, like, physically involved. He's, to any great extent, he's, he's been the brains behind he's, the operation. Yeah, exa- and... Exactly. He's been the mastermind of this whole, of basically everything that Earth's defence has been. And yet the, yeah. they, they literally just make excuses for him being old and tired and crap and just... Not with it, like, oh, he's been sulking on Saber's ship for many, many years and all that. I think when you start thinking a bit too deeply into this plot, you realise how quickly it falls apart, but we'll get into that a lot more over the course of the next chat of the few episodes, of course. But um, but because I want to try and give a compliment, I think Olivia Coleman is fantastic, by the way. Um, So I think she acts it well, but... I really didn't... I didn't think this, the whole show really did a good job of... I didn't... I found it difficult to place who she was. I think they sense. do that on purpose, though, because it's trying to make... Uh, it's in Especially in the earlier episodes, it's trying to make it look like she might not be an ally to Nick. Or to Fury, sorry. Well, uh, yeah, I, I get that, but also I just didn't see what her purpose was well, she, like she's essentially everything Nick Fury should have been in this show which is what um, badass spy manipulating like a lot of people to get information yeah like if it would have been a buddy like I say buddy cop you know had it been a spy thriller with those two playing each side that could have mm. worked really well, and they're actually. And what you found out at the very end of the show is that 
actually those two are working together. That could have been cool. Mm. But mm. They, they're constantly played off as antagonists to each other until sort of like the last bit of episode five. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that was the thing. I, I, I wasn't quite sure what her motives were. Um, yeah, she's she's essentially just a an agent for the British for British intelligence. Yeah, but the way that she went about her job was, yeah, like yeah, suspect. Oh, I I get that, and I think a lot of people could have suspected Nick Fury as having ulterior motives in the other in previous films, and I think that's sort of the line they're trying to go with with uh, Sonia Felsworth, or mm. Fals- yeah, Felsworth. Yeah. Okay, shall we move on to the second episode? Uh, yeah, of course. So this one is called Promises. So in 1997, Fury recruits several Skrull refugees, including a young orphan Gravik, in exchange for helping them find a new home planet. Mm-hmm. In the present, Talos reveals to Fury that a million Skrulls are living on Earth as the US is implicated in the bombing. Gravik meets with the Skrull Camp's council and gains majority support to lead the Skrulls in a new war. Dissenting councilwoman Shirley Sagar um, contacts Talos to arrange a meeting between him and Gravik. In London, Fury meets with uh, Colonel James Rhodes to explain the situation, but Rhodes discharges Fury and blames him for the bombing and Hill's death. Falsworth mm. interrogates an imprisoned rebel, Brogan, who reveals that Gravich is building a machine capable of strengthening the scrolls with the help from a scientist couple, the Daltons. Gaia discovers the rebels are experimenting with power d- DNA before accompanying Gravich to kill Brogan. Fiori uh, returns home and is met by his wife, a squirrel named Vara, who has taken on the human d- identity Priscilla Davis. A mm-hmm. uh, lot to unpack in this episode, I think. Yeah, this was one of my more favourite episodes. Yeah, there's. So in in the grand scheme of things, this is the one that I probably enjoyed the most when it started setting up a lot of the actual plot lines throughout the series, because yeah. the first episode sort of just loosely ties it, up, like gives the idea of what they're trying to do, but this one puts all, all of it properly into place like the full plan to some degree the let's be honest the plan changes far too many times over the course of the series to keep track of but in this one it is established that they need dna they're building a device and it is not going to be good so and with and i actually feel like some of the scenes with gravik here with the uh the scroll council were really well done hmm yeah uh i think it I think with, even in the opening, I liked how we had that flashback to 1997 and you see it, it gave Gravich his his motivation for why he's wanting to do all the stuff that he's doing in this show because he's been let down by Fury and also been let down, I guess, by Earth itself. Yeah, they've been, they've been let down by Fury. They've been let down by Earth, but I think it's when it comes a little bit later where they've... Um, or it specifically at certain points in this episode where it's it's revealed they are doing uh, Fury's dirty work for him essentially like that I can understand a little bit more but being unable to find a home is not enough to bear a grudge I think or a broken promise 
to like to the point where you nuke an entire world to kill like to kill off eight billion people because of one guy not like not keeping a promise. I think it's a little bit well, loose. Like the thread is far well, too loose for me. I I got the impression that not only had he been let down by um, Fury, but that they'd been rejected by earth and the i guess the diplomats of earth as well um, right? well if you remember the scene itself at the beginning it was like if you if you step forward and help me you can't use your mate your your real skin you will have to be disguised so they have to disguise themselves as humans mm, so they're yeah, not they're not point. really a pro they're not really revealed to be their own true selves until the very end of the series which is when we have that scene with the president but we'll talk about that obviously when we cover episode six but so they they've been doing a lot of the dirty work for Shield or and Saber in the background over over many many years. That I can get if they've been manipulated by the gov by the governments of the world to do some of these horrible tasks. Then yeah, that makes a bit more sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, yeah, I thought it. Yeah, it just established them. I know that you're saying that you thought it was a weak um, motive, but yeah, I thought at least it did establish a motive. It, it, and, yeah, it did. Some shows haven't exactly it, established one before. And it's not like all the scrolls feel the same way, obviously, because you've got people like Talos, and I suspect most other scrolls yeah. aren't driven to the extent that Gravich is, but at the end of the day, we've got horrible people in our actual uh, in the real world that you really think you, you can't get your head around the motives yeah, true. Um, of what they're doing so there's always going to be crazy people like that and I guess Gravich is just one of those people yeah it turns out that he is just a crazy person in the end but at this point they're trying to set it up that he's that he yeah I guess he's going for revenge but um against both Fury and Earth, but yeah, it's, it's also, I guess, he's driven by the pa by power as well. Yeah. Because he, he effectively wants to take take over Earth. Yeah, well, like I said, we'll cover that, because I think, I think that comes in far too late in the series, by the way, but we'll cover mm -hmm. that in a bit. Um, the only question I had in at the end of this episode was I wasn't clear on whether... Um, Fury knew whether his um, his wife was a scroll or not. I think he did. Right. I I think that. But, he, are, but, he, but are we as a are we as a viewer supposed to know that? I I think you're. I think in the way that the dialogue is, you're supposed to work it out, but it doesn't make it in like initially clear. But I think mm. towards the end of the series, it does make it very clear. Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah. So there's still this lingering does he really sort of question that goes throughout, I think. Does he know what's yeah, really going just... on with everyone? Yeah. Okay, so uh, episode three. Uh, actually, I've just thought it instead, as I'm reading through this, mm -hmm. if you want to just jump in with any anything, uh, then jump in and then I'll carry on. Okay, first of all, um, I have to bring up Gaia. 
Hmm. I think she's probably the weakest part of this entire series. I think her motivations aren't in, aren't clear, like in any way, shape, or form from any episode that's there. She's either on the side of Fury or she's not, or she's playing Gravik or she's <clears throat> not. I, and it just it doesn't yeah. work for me. This whole double, triple, quadruple agent sort of approach, and I think Amelia Clark is a good actress. But she, I just don't think she can do action. I like and terminate like one of the Terminator movies. I think it was Genesis that she was in. That just proves that with such a short stature, she's not a very intimidating action star at all. And that will come in like massively in episode four, for sure. When there's is it episode four or episode five? The fight at the house with Priscilla, mm. and you barely yeah. get a look at her of her face at all in that entire section and you can clearly tell it's a stunt double. It just looks so freaking weird. You know, four four foot eleven immediate Clark holding a shotgun that's nearly as big as her. It just doesn't mm. work for me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I also thought she was a weak character in this because of what you say about her you didn't know whether she was coming or going. Yeah. And the relationship with the dad, um, like one, like yeah, you didn't know what what she was thinking most of the time. I also have a problem with the like the dialogue in the scene of ep- in episode one. You know when they get to the square, and Talos f- tells her, is it episode one or is it episode two? I can't remember. But where Talos tells her about her mum, and the fact that she doesn't even know she died. It was like, oh, sorry, I haven't seen you for a while. You, your mum's dead. It's like, what? Like, surely mm. you would have contacted her long before this point and told her that, not waiting until you hadn't seen her for a couple of years. It was like, oh, yeah, the first time I see you, not how are you? Oh, yeah, your mum's dead. Yeah. So weird. So many weird choices in this show. And we'll get to those because there's a lot more of them, I think. <laughs> Right, so the episode three is called Betrayed, and this is so Gravik reveals to the Scroll Council that he intends to create Super Scrolls with special abilities using the powered DNA, having used himself as the first successful test subject. He also explains that he has sent rebels to infiltrate the Royal Navy in order to launch missiles at a United Nations aircraft. Mm-hmm. Gravik meets with Talos to negotiate a parlay. But the discussion breaks down when the former threatens to kill Gaia. Gaia secretly sends Talos information about the Royal Navy attack. Fury, angry that Talos allowed so many scrolls to infiltrate Earth, uh, reluctantly asks Talos to help him stop Gravage. Uh, they contact Falsworth and learn the name of the Naval Command Headquarters officer in charge, Commodore Robert Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. Fury and Talos break into Fairbanks' home and interrogate him, learning that he is a Skrull. After he provokes Talos into killing him, Talos contacts Gaia, who acquires Fairbanks' authorization code so they can abort the missile uh, launch in time. Mm. Gaia attempts to run away, but Gravich, who suspects of her betrayal, shoots her and leaves her for dead. Meanwhile, Vara secretly... Uh, contacts an unknown person wishing to speak to Gravich, but is it denied? Mm-hmm. This wasn't the worst episode either. No. It's another one of those where it was like with episode two, they were setting up some some storylines, or they were giving more, 
uh, giving more padding to the storylines, and I think some of them were working. Um, for me, the storyline, or sorry, the the end of the episode where Gaia gets killed. I say left. You said left for dead. No, she's dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my issue with this is if you watch this week by week, um, you would have had an advert uh, before that clearly showed between uh, that before episode four is that Gaia was alive. So they didn't really hold on that for too much longer, did they? And then episode four, mm. it's literally thirty seconds. Is like, yeah, I'm up. It's like, mm. Jesus. I couldn't let like a moment like that just linger for a little bit longer. I mean, have her out of play for at least an episode and then have her come back like out of nowhere and then you can reveal. Yeah, she 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 had this extremis um because that's essentially what it is, if you remember what extremis is. Uh, it's from Iron Man Three. And Aldrich Killian is uh using it. Right. So it's where you can grow back limbs. Yeah. So she's infused herself with extremis and yeah, she 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 manages to heal the wound, even though it's in her head. So isn't that what um that's what Gravich has got in him he, as well. He has, it? yeah, but he's got a slightly like slightly variated version of it, which is what's uh making the super scrolls, which we see later on in the series. But he needs a key uh, component to sort of make that happen, I guess. Hmm. which I think is what's revealed in episode 5 I believe or it's revealed in episode 4 but you see it in episode 5 yeah I thought with the whole Royal Navy missile launch thing in this episode I think it didn't really add much other than it just showing the lengths that Gravich was going to to try and spark this war yeah i agree like infiltrating certain parts of like or getting his his forces to infiltrate many key areas of government and uh higher ups that that can manipulate these situations is a good idea it's not a bad idea mm. um and i think that's what a lot of the secret invasion comic like it obviously takes inspiration from that comic because they did that quite a lot in that as well what did you think about uh, Fury getting angry at Talos for uh, how many scrolls that it allowed him onto Earth? Have you lost your reptilian ass, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not bad actually, and it's very typical Sam Jackson like acting. Mm, um, yeah, I got big vibes of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. It's not bad, but it's another one of these situations where he has a cool moment that I feel then is kind of undermined by poor choices or poor writing on his part that don't know, maybe not know the history of where he's been throughout the MCU. Mm. So it's, it's strange. We'll get to that a lot later with episode... Is it episode five, I think? But we'll get to that in a bit as well because there's one one moment where I found it really egregious. But, we'll, yeah. But what did you think of this uh, this episode as a whole, though? Um, I th yeah, I thought it was middling in the grand scheme of mm. things. Um, yeah, again, it was just... It's still setting up some things like with the 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 super scrolls yeah and yeah the the lengths that uh, Gravich was willing to go to I think it also yeah it gave us that context of just how many scrolls were 
on Earth and, and disguised. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, you can sort of just it, so it go, go It, it kind of gave scale to the problem. Yeah, like it wasn't. It's not just a few, a few scrolls here and there. Um, it was. It was going to be a big problem if, um, if either they got revealed or if they needed to be rehomed somewhere. Yeah. Um, I'll probably bring this up now, actually. So when I was said at the beginning of the episode about um, how I liked it, how it um, related to real-world issues, yeah. like obviously the big one here is um, the like refugees. Yep. Um, that that's currently going happening in in Europe, in particular, mm-hmm. um, and like yeah the political promises that are either being kept or not kept by various countries including our own and um, yeah so I quite liked how it whether it was on purpose or not I don't know but um, yeah I quite liked how it it, it, yeah it reflected some current um, real world issues yeah if you remember um, Captain Marvel did the same thing as well because you had the had the scenes towards the end where they're on uh, on the ship and it's it's clear that the scrolls are meant as an allegory for for refugees and this one like mm. really hammers home at it as well i think it's a good choice because it sort of, it, mm. it makes sense it's relatable as well and most people will understand the allegory yeah uh, okay, so episode four is called Beloved, and so before she attempted to run away from the rebels, Guy used Gravitch Machine to empower herself with extremist abilities. This allows her to recover from Gravitch's gunshot and meet with Talos. He explains to her that he is planning to ask United States President Ritson to help the Skrulls after they successfully stop the rebels, which disappoints Gaia, who hoped for a stronger plan to find them a new home. Vara meets with Rhodes, a disguised scroll named Rava, and is instructed by the latter to kill Fury. Having secretly listened to their conversation, Fury confronts Vara over this, but they re- reconcile after she reveals that she took an oath to her human counterpart to never harm her lover. Fury visits Rava and shares a drink with her, secretly planting a liquid tracker. Fury and Talos then follow Rava as she picks up Ritson for talks with Russia. Gravich then repe- and then repels the attack Ritson's and attacks Ritson's convoy disguised as Russian terrorists. Fury and Talos extract an unconscious Ritson, but Gravich kills Talos in the process. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, I quite like this episode. Um, it gets through quite a lot. It does, and I, but this is where I started to feel that they were rushing through quite a lot of things, and which is what I was saying about the runtime of episodes being a little bit disjointed. Yeah, I felt like this episode, whilst it was mostly okay, it just it didn't really linger on a hell of a lot for too too long for you to think too much about it, and it's a shame really because I think they could have done a lot more with the final scene or the final scenes of of the episode where they're um, where they're waging the plot to try and take Ritson or kill Ritson Mm -hmm. and Talos' death is essentially sort of just brushed aside as being this tiny little thing but it's not, it's quite major 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd agree with that. I'd say as well... That even, go on, Karen. Yeah, cause I, I, I did feel... Um, I did feel things when he died. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I agree it was, like, quite rushed over. Yeah, but it does set, set up a really interesting um, mechanic, actually, in the fact that uh, when they are shape-shifting, if you manage to shoot them and not kill them, they will start to reform back into a scroll from their hum- mm. from the human f- uh, that they've obviously shifted into. Yeah. So I think that was an interesting choice, and whether or not it plays into anything later on, we'll find out. Uh, one thing that um, I think exemplifies a point we made earlier about Gaia, and we didn't know what her motives were, mm. I think that's best shown in this episode when her dad... Um, tell us, tells her what his plan is, yeah. and she's disappointed with it. Yeah, and then she runs off. Yeah, because she's been disappointed of the fact that he hasn't done enough, hasn't done enough over the years. Mm. All right, but he's clearly like in the background, or has been with Fury, trying to, trying to do what he can, and he's probably felt just as used by Fury as everyone else, like. I'd say that the vast majority of people, with exception to Talos, like they're not great people in this show. Talos is the only one who's actually just done what he was part of the word that he made with Nick Fury all those years ago. He's done his job, mm. and he was hoping to find a home, but yet nobody respected him for doing what he had to do to try and get them a home. Yeah, and it's... I found it annoying. Well, I just found Gaia annoying. Like, yeah. I wanted Talos to say to her, well, what what do you want me to do? Like, this is the best yeah. plan we've got, if, other than the other plan, of which is Gravik's plan. Yeah. If she if he would have gone along with Gravik, she would have called him a coward. If he would have mm. gone along and done all of this himself, she would have called him a warmonger. He mm. couldn't win either way with her. Yeah. So yeah. Um, is there anything else from that? Well, actually, yeah, there is something else. So, when you were saying about how it's the most expensive TV, sh- uh, it's what a, a very expensive TV yeah, show. Yeah, two hundred twelve million dollars. Um, just remember that. Yeah, like the end sequence with them, um, uh, Gravich posing as terrorists and trying to. Um, uh, mm. Uh, kidnap um, is he trying to kidnap him I can't remember I, yeah, uh, they're the try, yeah they are trying to kidnap him so they can shift into him yeah. I believe um, yeah that that whole sequence it was like I'm pretty sure it was all CGI based Yep. so it's not like they're doing any actual real exploding of helicopters or anything not particularly it's also no. sh- it's also shot in basically the middle of nowhere. Yep. Which I imagine was probably not going to be costing them a lot. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I thought... And the CGI yeah, use is pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, at the beginning, in the first episode with the big explosions of the dirty bombs in Russia, yep. like, that was clearly CGI. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's not really clear where... Is it's not like they're having to build huge sets either, like no. for alien technology. It's all in like disused warehouses in the middle of Russia or yep. 
some Nick Fury's house. Yeah, so, there's yeah no yeah there's not a no lot, idea where the money. There's went. not a lot of locations, which is why I feel a lot of this was all filmed like on a soundstage, and I think a lot of it was filmed at Elstree Studios. But it's just mm. or somewhere sort of along those lines. But you can definitely tell that with their choice of uh, decor and location, it's not great is it it's even mm. like you said yeah warehouse or warehouse or another warehouse or just outside of a warehouse or in a woods yeah, yeah. Uh, so is there anything else on this episode no let's move on to episode 5 so this is called Harvest uh, following their failed attack on Ritson the rebels start to lose faith in Gravich for not killing Fury and his perceived deception towards them a new recruit named Beto leads a small group in a mounting immunity uh, against Gravik, but Gravik kills them all. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Fiori gets Ritson to a hospital and confronts Rava, but she reveals that she has leaked footage of Hill's death, placing Fiori on a global watch list. Oh, yeah. Fiori, Fiori later reveals meets with Gaia, who reveals Gravik is looking for um, the harvest. After exposing her superior, uh, Derek Weatherby, as a scroll, Falsworth locates Dr. Rosa Dalton, another disguised scroll, and questions her about Gravik's DNA machine. Rava shows Ritson pictures of Gravik's Russian base, New Skrullos, mm. to implicate Russia as scroll sympathizers and advise a strike on the compound. Mm-hmm. Grabich calls Fury, offering to call off the strike if he brings him the harvest in person. Gaia and Vara hold a funeral for Talos and fend off an attack by Grabich's men. Yeah. In Finland, Fury leads Falsworth to a grave marked with his name, which contains the harvest, a collection of DNA from superheroes who fought the Battle of Earth. Fury takes the harvest and prepares to confront Grabich. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Okay, so the harvest itself. So like you said, it's taken from the DNA of all the heroes. It's not not just the heroes, though, is it? No. No, it's it also includes Thanos, uh, Ebony Moore, I think, and a few others of uh, Thanos's sympathizers, including Chitauri Blood and all that. But we'll get into that in episode six because you actually get a detailed look at what's in there which is quite interesting um yeah i have issues big issues okay um so we know obviously like it's probably more of a thing for episode six so i'll bring it up probably in episode six but we know that obviously episode four has set up the um um the mechanic of the fact that you can shoot you can shoot to wound a scroll not kill but that will come in more in episode 6 so I'll bring it up then I just I felt a lot of this was just busy work it just it felt this episode felt like it was it should have been earlier on in the season yeah the way it was setting up everything the way it was explaining everything it probably should have been a bit later on but mean earlier that's what I mean yeah sorry it should have been earlier on in the series um there are a couple of really good scenes I think when um uh Sonia goes and finds um Dr Dalton is it yeah um and 
and the confrontation that she has with them I think is really is really cool so uh, it's oh, what's the line I'm trying to remember the line it's like oh I'm not, it's where where um, she's being threatened with the guy with the husband um, with the shotgun and it's like suddenly then just a, gu a gun just appears in the back of the skull of him and it's like it was just the way that Olivia Coleman delivered the lines in that and I can't remember the lines I just think it was really well done um, and I think her character just improves all the way through this show and I, apart from some clunky dialogue but uh, well, I won't talk about that one too much but I just think as a whole her character is pretty decent throughout this especially shown throughout episodes 5 and 6 yeah yeah um, one big criticism I do have though is that Fury's been placed on a watch list he's now the most um hunted man in all of the world but yet he manages to slink off in a very busy city of Paris uh, where it will be camered everywhere but yet has just so happens to have a few minutes with Gaia in, a, in an abandoned warehouse yeah. he would have been tracked long before that and conveniently the police only come when he's finished his conversation <laughs> such a movie trope I absolutely cannot stand Yeah. Is there anything else that? No, that's about it for this one because I think it's a lot more about episode six that I have problems with. Yeah, to be honest, I haven't got that much to say about this this episode. Yeah, I... again, I think I think it quite it blends with episode six in terms I of. I think it does. Or... Yeah. I think yeah, for the vast majority of this episode, I found it to be quite middling and quite boring. Mm. Like the um. Also, I'm not sure why um, Gaia needs to take Talos to uh, Priscilla's, or I can't remember what her scroll name is. Um, take her, take the body to be buried. Surely she would know how to like a scroll burial ritual at this point. Yeah, maybe it's not something you could do on Earth. Maybe not. No, but. I think I think the words from Fury were specifically as like go and see Priscilla she'll know what to do it's like mm. okay and they're in France so she's now had to take that that body from France to London yeah I, I did um, quite like it when you had this small group of um, uh, um, the scrolls that went against gravity oh, yeah. like they tried attacking him oh and this is where you find out he actually has the um um the super scroll yeah basically in, in yeah anymore. where he uh, uses Groot powers to kill that person yeah not sure how that DNA yeah. would work with his though yeah but yeah the the whole aspect of him using Groot's powers I think it yeah it, it makes it clear just what this um the harvest is yeah um and again that ju it just shows the power that this this scroll is got is gonna is has got yeah so moving on to the final episode which is called home fury con confronts gravic and new scrollos gives him the harvest and asks that he spare earth and conquer other planets 
Gravik refuses before using the harvest to empower himself and attempt to kill Fury, mm -hmm. only to learn that it's a disguised Gaia who will also use the harvest. The two fight, and with Gaia eventually killing Gravich. Meanwhile, Ralva successfully convinces Ritson to authorise a nuclear strike on New Skrullos, but is tricked by Falsworth into arranging for Ritson's evacuation. Ravarus attempts to retaliate but is killed by Fury. Ritson calls off the strike, allowing Gaia to free Gravik's human prisoners, such as Ross and Rhodes. In the aftermath, Ritson uh, issues a new bill declaring all off-world species as hostile forces and threatens to hunt down the remaining scrolls on Earth, causing unrest as civilians publicly murder various high-profile officials for fear that they are scrolls. Mm. Falsworth meets with Gaia and pro promise, proposes a partnership to protect the Skrulls against Ritson's bill. Um, after cautioning Ritson about the unrest he caused, Fiori asks Vara to come, with, uh, come to uh, Sabre with him to help negotiate at a peace summit with the Kree. She agrees and they leave Earth together. Mm -hmm. hmm. So, Where do we begin with this one? Well, I'll let you take it away. This is probably the worst use of CGI in a final battle I've ever seen in the Marvel shows. Or Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was horrendous. The one between Gaia and... And Gravik um, was... What? Yeah, when they're Super Scrolls. My God, is it appallingly bad. Like, I'm... Look, I'm going to say it. When she, when she freezes and has uh, the Drax arm... It kind of looks like that thing from Family Guy where, where Quagmire's only just discovered online porn. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is so badly done. It's just laughable. Also, like, it's been brought up in several criticisms as well, is that... So they've taken the DNA from this... Uh, from the Battle of um, Endgame. Um, so are tattoos and rings supposed to be transmitted through DNA as well? <laughs> because Ebony Moore had yeah. rings and he's, and then when he switches to that it's like he's got rings on why is Drax Drax has got tattoos why 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 did they think that that was a good idea it's appalling yeah like this and now this essentially makes Gaia the most powerful um most powerful um hero there is and she's not even a hero yeah, because she even gets Captain Marvel's powers yep. as well. So she's she? now more powerful yeah. than Captain Marvel. So yeah, that is just just insane. All right, they've given all these powers to someone who's not even probably going to want to actually fight for for Earth at all. So that's a bad call. Also, considering <laughs> that the main the main problem that Gravik had was with Fury, and yet. He never has a confrontation with Fury. Like he, he only ever has one, and that's the scene where they're sitting down in front of each other, and that's about it. This entire, yeah. like this entire plot, is saved by Gaia. She, she essentially becomes the key to everything, and it's that has always been a trope that I've absolutely hated in in movies and TV, and this one is no different. Yeah, and I'd also say with Ga with Gaia being so central to all this she's already made clear that she doesn't like her dad's plan yeah. and she doesn't like Gravix's plan mm -hmm. so 
she, what, what's she going to do when she kills Gravitch? Uh, yeah, what's her plan what? now? Yeah, what's her plan? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, so, uh, the speech at the end from Ritson um, is... So, it... Fury gives gives the the quote of that's real one term one term presidency stuff after he makes that speech. Now you've mm-hmm. just discovered that an alien race has that a million of them are on Earth somewhere, and you won't be able to find them. What the hell are you supposed to do as the world's most powerful leader? Are you gonna are you gonna turn around and keep this a secret, or are you gonna turn around and tell everyone about an impending threat? I think you're more likely to tell everyone about an impending threat. So I don't think his response is really that bad, but Fury makes it out to be like the worst choice he could have ever made. I don't think it is. Um, well, what I would say there is the one the scrolls that are on Earth that have been disguised. Some, they seem to be peaceful. Some of them are, and some of them are not. The ones that get taken out of the the scroll council, but not everyone is gonna. I don't think everyone's gonna see that as a, as you know, as as a sign that every single scroll is peaceful. Now. Yeah, but I guess you could argue that if you just let them let them be, because um, as far as other than they're like shape shifting. Yeah. They haven't got any other superpowers, have they? No. Um, well, I would imagine they probably have some sort of superhuman strength base, probably. Well, what I was going to say was, say most of them are peaceful, and then there's a few bad eggs. Yeah. Like, there's bad eggs in the human race. Yeah. Like, if you just, like, let them live on Earth um, and get on with it... Mm-hmm. And then if any of them step out of line, you just treat them in the same way that you treat a human that steps out of line. You just put them in, put them in prison. prison or whatever. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I know you could say, well, they could be shape-shifting as a, as as a some other human, yeah. innocent. Um, but, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some test that you can do that expo... Like, I'm pretty sure there'd be some test that you could do on them to check whether they're a human or not they, um, would, they probably would do but we we don't really know at this point i think that's that's going to be something that they'll set up in in a later point but you can see you can see sort of what i mean by the secret invasion arc itself could have easily been a phase by its own right or even free it's so massive mm. and so in depth that you could have done so much more with it oh for sure yeah um like I would say, in like in conclusion, I can see why, if you had knowledge of the comics, then yeah, I can see why this show would annoy you. Uh, oh, um, yeah, I've also got to bring up one of the biggest criticisms I have about all this, and that's the retcon that they've done. Right. They've retconned Rhodey's entire last piece of history since Civil War. Hmm. Yeah. He's been a scroll. Apparently, he's been a scroll since Civil War. So, so by doing so, they've now they've now opened them up themselves up to really, really big issues being made. So, if if Rhodey has been a scroll for however long it has been, uh, they don't specifically state in years. But he was there when Tony died. He was there when they went to Thanos uh, to see Thanos on the, his retirement planet. Um, why would he have any emotion about Tony dying? 
Why would he have any emotion about the rest of the Avengers? Why would he care about all of that? Um, if it, if the ultimate plan was to bring them all down anyway. And also, surely then, and this is probably the biggest retcon out of all it, if he did go to the retirement planet, he would know there was an inhabitable planet to send the scrolls. And so they, really? they built this machine in um, New Scrollos. But you would think that as an advanced alien race, they could have built a spaceship using that same technology. Hmm. Do we see... Um, yeah, we don't see when Rhodes is put in that machine, do we? No, but it came out... Um, it's come out after the fact that uh, Ali Salim, uh, the director, has confirmed that it's been since Civil War. Right. So they've now yeah. they've now retconned all of that, and I think it's the worst, most appalling retcon that they've made so far. Yeah, that is. Pretty it just bad. ruins like this entire show itself because it renders the whole thing moot. It's especially when they have a planet they can go to. It's uninhabited, and they can clearly grow stuff there. Because Thanos did. <laughs> Oh, yeah. you can't find an inhabitant? Yeah, you can. You definitely can. So, uh, it's, it does make me wonder, do the Marvel writers now actually read their... Like, actually do their homework? Or, or mm. are they just writing based on what they think they know? Mm. It's ridiculous. Anyway. Shall we give this a rating? Uh, yeah, I would <laughs> give it a 3 out of 5. I think uh, that's respectable. Because uh, the one thing, I, I understand that there's a lot of issues with it. Um, yeah. Some I think you're going to notice more if you are familiar with the comics. Um, yeah. But I just, I, I think, I always kind of judge these things whether I'm entertained in the moment or whether I'm wanting to look at my phone. Yeah. And I can honestly say that for most of this I was... I was engaged with it. Yeah. I was, I wasn't bored, and I, th I was able to keep up with the plot. Yeah. Pretty well. Like, I think with previous shows, I've sometimes struggled and had to read up on it afterwards just to yeah. understand what was going on. Okay. Um, and so, I like the simplicity of this episode, and uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I like how it um, tied in with some real world issues. So. Yeah, I'd give it three out of five. Mm. Um, based on everything that I've said, I'm giving this a one out of a ten. A one out of five, sorry. This is not this, for me. This is not a good show at all. Um, they had they had something that could have been promising, based solely on the com the arc of the comics itself. Uh, but taking all of that away, they had a lot of lore and a lot of history that they could have delved into. Um, I think they chose quite an easy and quite simplistic route and I just don't think it worked particularly well to, for the vast majority of it. There are some good performances which is why I'm giving it a 1 out of 10 uh, a 1 out of 5 sorry um, mm. but I felt that they'd done, they'd done more to ruin Nick, Nick Fury's legacy and they've caused themselves so many more issues with utterly ridiculous retconning so uh, yeah, I and, and also the CGI is utterly appalling as well. The inconsistent run times of of each episode is just was just weird to me, and I think had I had I been able to watch, um, had I been able to go on my phone, I probably would have 
been on my phone, but I was watching this on my phone. <laughs> it was whilst I was on holiday, so I watched the first four episodes, so it was like, yeah, I can't really scroll between because it will just stop everything, but I probably would have been quite bored, and I was quite bored watching it. Mm. Okay. Right, All so, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're very different sides of the spectrum on that one, aren't we? So... Mm. But if you um, if you happen to disagree with mine or Kurt's points, then uh, you uh, Kurt, do you want to let people know how they can get in contact with us on Twitter? Yeah, um, we are at Neverwatchers on X or Twitter. Yeah. Um, and um, if you want to um, get in touch with us on Discord, we're in the Modern Escapism Discord or the um, uh, Rapid Reviews Discord. Mm-hmm. Uh, also you can send an email to neverwatcherspodcast at gmail.com other than that I am off social so you can't really get in touch with me apart from the discords that Kurt said about so um, what are we doing next time we're back to uh, does the movies am I right yeah Uh, but we haven't decided which film yet so there will be a poll going up um, soonish. Yeah, so after this episode is published, as you're hearing it, you'll probably see that there has been a poll on X uh, or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, so get in, get in touch with us, let us know what you want to see next out of the list of four that we usually put down. Uh, but, well, keep an eye out for that. But until next time, we will see you then. Goodbye. Alright, goodbye.